0: Welcome to Backboard Banter on the Board with your hosts, Matt Middleton and Kevin Rayner. where are the Banter's as ferocious as that Blue Jays' seven-game win streak, baby!
1: They cannot be stopped. The Yankees are taking an absolute beatdown, which we need. They've slid out of that first-place spot in the wildcard. Matt, you had no faith in them a couple of weeks ago, and the Jays are on a roll.
0: Man, August 20th, I absolutely had no faith... They had a, had a great superstar in Vladdy Gro Jr. They were, you know, middling team at best though at that point, and they were not even right there at the wild card spot like they are now. Since that that prediction I made, 13-6. So they're winning twice as much as they're losing that seven game win streak like we mentioned. <sighs> Dang man. I feel like a curse.
1: <laughs> That's the thing, it's crazy. It's gonna be a wild finish to the season. You know, they're gonna the Jays they're playing them tonight. Uh, They're playing the uh, Yankees again tonight. They're also going to play a couple of games of them as the season winds down. They got the Orioles coming up as their next trip, which hopefully will be soon W's. But it's going to be a wild race for the Jays to see if they can prove Matt wrong and find their way into that wild card.
0: The fact that they're here with a month out of the season, like they're so close to to winning it and they have so many games against the Yankees, which are going to be key down the stretch. If they can keep winning them, in, they'll probably make the playoffs and we'll wreck one of my takes once again.
1: <laughs> I'm never against Matt taking an L on a take, <laughs> you know. Unfortunately, my dude, it happened again. Again. This guy, he was so confident. Maybe confident, not confident. He wanted KK to match. Well, KK matched. Montreal did not match. And, uh, man,
0: I'm so sorry, my friend. Another young guy leaving Montreal. Dude, it's absolutely brutal if you look at their record of first-round draft picks since Marc Bergema has taken over. If, if you don't include the last three drafts, there's, I don't think, a single player that's still with the team. Um, so that's super sad. Um... The fact that they drafted Alex Galchenyuk with the very first draft pick of this tenure, poorly, de- poorly developed him, and to the into the player where you know he's almost out of the league. He hasn't resigned with Toronto. Toronto was the last place he played. He's yeah. he was the scapegoat for the reason that they lost Game Five with that turnover, even though he had a dominant Game Four against Montreal. I don't know, but you could see KK kind of thinking to himself they did this to a one player they're gonna bridge me just like they bridged him and he didn't do anything with it get me out of this situation get me out of this town let me go develop in a a quiet market like carolina where the media isn't gonna eat me alive every single game every single turnover mistake whatever have you and i can ease into a first line role with Sebastian Ajo, and Andrei Svechnikov. Like, those are two great players, and if he gets to play with them on the left wing, I could see him putting up 50 points this year, and Montreal's gonna be regretting it hard.
1: Oh, Matt, just, all I'm gonna hear is Matt just crying all season, and he's like, hey man, so KK's done this this week. <laughs> <laughs> just So upset, but hey man, you know, it, it is what it is. At least you still have a semi bright future with Montreal. Like hey, you had that fun playoff run. That's at least there for you at least. But at the end of the day, it, it it's going to be sad. If he does develop and guy gets to go to an American team, like maybe that's the struggle of Canadian teams, Matt, that the fan bases are too hungry for for championship glory that they just like f- feast these players alive and sometimes the mental just isn't there.
0: I would agree that the Canadian markets are quite hard on their players I mean you look at Matthews and Marner Marner getting ripped apart in the media um for for no reason yes he's had some playoff shortcomings but he is one of the the top 10 wingers in the NHL so to rip on a guy who's from Toronto like that I mean it's just sad and and Montreal does it with their players too K.K. Everybody saw that 32-point rookie season where he was actually quietly dominant defensively. Um, people even argued that he could have been a selkie candidate. That's how good he was as a rookie defensively. His numbers fell off uh, the year after, but last year they were still solid defensively. He has trouble scoring, and Montreal brought him into the NHL a little early. Um, his confidence is really the key in in all sports to producing offense. I mean, in basketball, when your confidence is there, the ball seems to just go in the net. The the hoop is just 10 times the size, and the ball is just nice and easy going down. And so he never had that. He was always gripping his stick a little bit too tight, trying to make the correct play, overthinking the game a little bit is what I believe um, happened to his career in Montreal. I, I think he just he's going to enjoy the fact that he's he's not going to be under the spotlight the whole time. And, you know, it's really sad to say, but if Montreal had matched, I bet you he would have busted out this season um, in terms of, like, just, like, not, not producing at all because every time he was on the ice, they'd be like, that's $6.1 million. You make more than Nick Suzuki. You make more than Cole Caulfield. You make more than – and it would just be a constant battering ram against him. So I'm really happy for the kid that he gets to go down in Carolina. I hope he reaches his full potential out there um, because he seems like a a good kid. Um, He apparently, you know, Mark Bergevin was saying that he has some issue assessing his own game, at least alluded to it in Mark Bergevin's press conference. So we'll see how it turns out. Montreal did get Christian Dvorak with one of those picks. The first round pick is lottery protected which i really like so if either of those picks is in the lottery they get the Mm -hmm. worst of the two so montreal might have two chances at getting a guy like shane Wright. not a bad thing um Mm -hmm. but i don't think i don't think dvorak is that great of an upgrade especially at four years older what he does to the team's ceiling especially because Montreal did that weird thing where they retooled and they brought in a bunch of young prospects as the next core. So Cole Caulfield, Suzuki, Romanov, a guy like Matthias Norlander, they're hoping he makes it. Jordan Harris, um, you know, Jesse Yolenen, KK, they were all supposed to be that next wave of players like your your Prices, your Webers, your old players like Patches and Subban. Um, you,
1: you grow up together as a core, you can develop, you figure out what matters, who's good at this versus that, and then you push to the next generation and you
0: hopefully add to that. Exactly. And so that core ceiling had, I think, Stanley Cup potential and competing for a Stanley Cup potential for the next 10 years had they all hit their peak in development. With Christian Dvorak, I think the, the ceiling becomes a little bit lower I don't think they're in that Stanley Cup window unless Nick Suzuki takes a huge leap and so does Cole Caulfield, which is asking a lot of two young, already yeah. great players. Um, so I, I just it's nuts to me that the Montreal fans are so excited about this guy.
1: To your to your point of like having championship aspirations and potential as a bubble, like not to like sell your team short in any way because you you had a breakthrough. Yes, it, it involved certain things happening the right way an injury or two there obviously they can't be forgotten about on other teams but your team was able to push through to a stanley cup final and play against arguably a juggernaut that pushed them down so you know it's great that you have that faith and that the core has shown that even if even if the media and everyone else doesn't believe in them that they can't have that championship potential and that's why it's sad to see somebody like kk go and and why you're going to just be upset about it regardless of either way like the money was hard for you right to accept as a fan for the team but at the end of the day if the player was there and is going to be maybe a star it's going to hurt a couple years from now for sure
0: well absolutely it's going to hurt a couple years and it, and that championship window is also predicated on the fact that KK is a playoff performer i mean he has the second most goals of any hockey player before the age of 21 in the playoffs he was tied with like guys like Wayne Gretzky and Sidney Crosby at the age of 20 for playoff goals he Crazy. was the 5th leading point getter on that team during the playoff run that they had all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals he was 2nd on the team in playoff goals and you're trading for Christian Dvorak who has never really played in those big game moments in Arizona a guy mm. who's Career high in points is thirty eight. So you're getting six extra points than KK's rookie year out of a guy who's four years older and doesn't have quite the the potential and ceiling development to get there. To to me, that's what's the crazy part. Like over the last three years, he has I think like eight more goals or something. Yeah, it's like it's thirty seven goals to twenty two. It's seventy six points to sixty two. That's not. That amazing if I mean, KK blows up. That, that's that's exactly it, right? Like on paper,
1: you know, everybody in the back room is like, Okay, we've replaced quote unquote KK's output. We've only said no no. You've replaced what old KK did. We don't know what new KK and current KK can do. Before is kind of set in his ways of what he can do, according to what you're telling me. So that's the real issue, I agree with you.
0: Absolutely. And the fact that KK's biggest issue is his skating and being able to stay on his feet. Which is he can develop the the leg strength to stay on his feet, and if he can, he's gonna be a monster. I guarantee it. If he can fix his skating, which is totally doable, he'll be a monster. I mean he's a kid <sighs> still. Let's let's Whatever, not forget man. he's still a kid. He's, he's a kid 21. at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. I'll, I'll stop letting you be upset about it, Matt. Talk to me. Anything else in the NHL?
0: Nothing that I really want to talk about. I mean David Bacchus did retire today. Uh, good for him. Signed a one-day contract with St. Louis Blues to retire as the uh, with that franchise. But hey, man, you know what I'm most excited about? NFL is back tonight. Oh, buddy, I'm pumped up. You know I'm going to be renewing that DAZN subscription.
1: <laughs> this, this guy does what he does because he loves watching football. I love sitting here listening to Matt slowly figure out who he believes is going to be the top team all year long. And Matt. I've heard rumors that apparently Brady has made the list. The Bucks are going to show up. He is not going to be slandering them from the start this year. But, <laughs>
0: oh, I love it, dude. You know, I went through week by week last year of my top 10s. Tampa Bay made quite a few of them, <laughs> okay? Especially the early season ones. It's just when they got blown out by New Orleans that I really <laughs> kind of put them down a peg. But, you know, I shouldn't have shouldn't have doubted the GOAT. He's going to top a lot of a lot of preseason NFL hierarchy rankings, but for me, you know, my top ten, it's still gotta be Kansas City Chiefs. Um I know they lost in the that Super Bowl, but they revamped the offensive line. Patrick Mahomes is still Patrick Mahomes, man. He convinced me even more in that loss that he's otherworldly. So I got Kansas City number one. My my boy Tom Brady, not really my boy, because I picked against him all year last year. My boy. Your boy Tom Brady. He's going to come in at number two with the Bucks. Um, I think they've got—they're returning all 22 starters. Uh, they're going to have an easy matchup tonight against Dallas. I think it's going to be a, a, a route for them. They'll—they'll uh, they'll probably roll through the NFC pretty easily. Is my assumption. Um, the Bills, though, at number three for me. I, I think Josh Allen took a big step. If he continues to play at that level, he doesn't need to keep getting better but just continue to play at that level. That's going to be a big key for him. Um, The Cleveland Browns at number four, they have arguably the best roster in the NFL. The one player who is holding them back, I would say is Baker Mayfield, because he's not necessarily a top 10 quarterback. Um, You can make an argument that he's like fringe top 10, but if he could have have a great season and they've got, nick chubbs bream hunt they've got odell beckham jr jarvis landry they had a Jadavian Clowney to Miles garrett like that it's just a stacked up roster
1: it's unfortunate right because they they could be higher but the most important position in football is that quarterback And unfortunately for baker like mahomes brady like those are names that you just can't compete with
0: at this day and age well and i think mahomes then you have Lamar uh, Lamar Jackson. Then you have Josh Allen. Um, there's just the quarterbacks out in the AFC. They're top tier. Um, I think Cleveland's definitely going to win the North, which is sad for me as a Pittsburgh fan. But hey, man, it's going to be going to make uh, Marissa's dad and brother very happy this year. So, uh, go. <laughs> I got the Green Bay Packers coming in at number five. Even though I don't really believe in their roster and Aaron Rodgers, it's hard to pick against how much talent they have. I don't see them being really a Super Bowl threat, though. Um, the LA Rams coming in at six. I do like Matthew Stafford as an upgrade over Jared Goff. I don't think he's going to be this otherworldly quarterback all of a sudden. You know, everyone's talking about him being held back by Detroit. He did have some good teams with Detroit. He did have some good players and still wasn't able to do much. So I have them coming in there, though. I think Sean McVay is going to really help him win his first playoff game. Um, Lamar Jackson, he's unreal. He's coming in at seven with the Baltimore Ravens. I think that roster is is pretty good top to bottom. And they just signed Le'Veon Bell. And if he can play to anywhere close to the level he did with Pittsburgh, they're going to be a tough team to beat uh i like san francisco 49ers i know a lot of people don't like it because of jimmy garoppolo and the trey lance thing but man jimmy g got to a super bowl that roster's great outside of him they, they're not dependent on him kyle shanahan schemes the running game like nobody's business it, he's the best in the nfl at doing it so they drafted a, a third round running back i expect him to have a big year um Seattle, for me, is, is kind of on the fringe of the contending teams. I love Russell Wilson, but I don't love the rest of that roster. And then I'm going to surprise people putting the Indianapolis Colts. I know that it's not a huge shock. I do expect Carson Wentz to have a bounce-back year. I, I think they had a great year with Phillip Rivers last year, who is aging and can barely throw the ball 10 yards. So Carson Wentz is definitely an upgrade on that. And then my fringe kind of outside the top 10 teams are Miami, New England. Who will be you know pushing to fight up in there? They might get it this week, you know, depending on how the how the whole uh, season first week shapes out. So that's Bill, it, man. Bill
1: Belichick, Bill Belichick fuming in his booth right now, not making Matt's top ten right now, believing in Mac Jones and this new Patriots direction. But I love it, Matt. Always love to see a nice top ten list out of you.
0: Look, I would put New England in the top ten if I really, really believed in Mac Jones. The one issue I have with him is that we haven't seen him do it against a real starting NFL defense. And all of the Alabama quarterbacks that come out of Alabama have gaudy, gaudy stats. And the two that came out before him, Jalen Hurts and Tua Tunga-Vailoa, both still have something to prove. They didn't cement themselves as starters last year, even given the chance. So does Mac Jones, is he really a starter? We'll see we'll
1: see can he can he take the place that Tua Tungvaloa has in Matt's heart we will see <laughs> I doubt it
0: though <laughs> oh man I really want to see Tua succeed in Miami but I don't think he will I think he's he's got too weak of an arm unfortunately for this level
1: Ugh, it's rough when a fan favorite you know just doesn't come up to what you hope for expectations anything else for the NFL Matt or are we just gonna have to wait and see how games roll this week
0: Oh, we'll have to see how games roll this week to to round out the rest of the list. But I mean, the games of the week, obvious one is Kansas City Cleveland Sunday Easy. night or er, four twenty five game. That one I'm definitely tuning in for. My under the radar games, I really like the Chargers Washington game. I think Justin Herbert looking to have an MVP type season against that Washington defense is dope. I think Buffalo-Pittsburgh is going to be a surprisingly good game. Pittsburgh is going to surprise some people this year, especially with that rockin' defense that they have. The offense might be a little weak, but they got a rockin' defense. Plus, the Rams-Chicago. We'll see if Justin Fields can get on the field. I really hope he does. And then the two teams on the outside fringe. Miami-New England, man. That's going to be a good one. Uh, Bill Belichick against Brian Flores. Mac Jones against Tua. I'm excited about it. It's gonna be it's gonna be a good week of football, man.
1: At the end of the day, the fans win because football is back. It's happening,
0: man. Absolutely. And then my preseason prediction for the awards, man. I'm gonna do the just the player awards. So come back, nice and easy, Dak Prescott. As long as he stays healthy, he's a he's a lock for it. Um, good choice. MVP, nice and easy, Patrick Mahomes. Huh. Sorry, guys. Don't go dark horse candidates don't pick Baker Mayfield Josh Allen um, it's, don't pick Kyler Murray I love the guys all three of them great players yep. Patrick, Patrick Mahomes guys Patrick guys Mahomes. gonna
1: have like a I'm very mad um, coming out from the shadows I should have won another I should have won a Super Bowl last year Tom Brady who
0: are you I'm the MVP now like I'm the GOAT it's gonna happen
1: <laughs> yeah
0: offensive player of the year Patrick Mahomes nice and easy um, defensive player of the year I think it's going to be TJ Watt. I mean, he's trying to get a new deal, so as long as he plays all the games, he definitely should be. He's one of the most relentless players in the NFL. This guy does not take any plays off. Um, I think he's going to have a monster year. He led the the league in sacks last year, so TJ Watt for me. Um, Offensive Rookie of the Year, going to go to his teammate Najee Harris. Um, Pittsburgh is known for their ground game. They let go of James Conner. They're going to have, I think, a rough offensive line, but they might be able to stitch it together, and, and he's a great runner. He was unreal at Alabama, so I totally have faith in him. And then Defensive Rookie of the Year, it's a little bit of a harder one, but I'm going to go with Jalen Phillips out in Miami. I think just based on opportunity, based on position, um, he's going to be a true starter for this team, so I think he's got the potential to, to do well, and I think he'll he'll bring it home for Miami. Then my Super Bowl prediction, Kansas City versus the Rams. I think Stafford and McVay get there, but it's going to be a 31-23 win and Patrick Mahomes bring home the MVP. Call it right now. Book it. Bet on it. Let's go.
1: I was going to say, there's the Tom Brady Buccaneers snub. I knew it was showing up yeah. somewhere, but yeah. How can you not bet on Mahomes? You know, I, I love it, Matt. Sounds like it's going to be an exciting season all around, and who doesn't want to look back in, what, 16 weeks from now and see how close we all thought we were to being right?
0: Oh, dude, it's going to be 18 weeks before the playoffs, because uh, the bye week and it's a 17-week season, so right. I'm nice. I'm nice and excited about that, but... We're good to roll out of the NFL, man. It's just an exciting day for all football fans, and let's let's go to the hardwood, man, because we had a, a decent trade this week. I mean,
1: easy start, you know, to the NBA part of this podcast today because DeAndre Jordan he officially got traded to the Pistons. Brooklyn was like, "Nah, we don't need you. We're done with you." And then he was instantly bought out because Detroit apparently has the money for this. And the man's is going to the Lakers. He's just flopped sides from one retirement home to the next. You know, apparently they, he didn't like the type of water they were serving in Brooklyn, right? But it's not that at easy. the end of the day, I think, <laughs> yeah, the, 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 I don't know. If it's DeSani, I don't want it. Sorry, sandy. Don't come to try to endorse us. I don't like your water. You're not for me. But for me, the best part of this trade is what Brooklyn wins. What they get back at the other side of it. Because they get for for decent player, could potentially play some minutes at the end of the rotation, and my boy Sekou Dumboya. Matt knows, I absolutely love this guy, Matt was saying there might have been rumors he was going to be a Raptor which I would have absolutely gone wild if that had have happened, but an interesting trade to start our week
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much better it makes the Nets or the Lakers um, I I think DeAndre Jordan is a decent player, I don't, he's He's not that great, but I mean, he's going to spell Anthony Davis from having to play heavy center minutes, which is nice for Anthony Davis. Um, him and, and uh, Howard are going to be like the McGee-Howard combination from a few years ago, um, and I think Okafor is still a pretty young guy, man. He's, what, Brandon Ingram's age? Uh, yeah. Has had a horrible career bouncing around. He was in a tough spot with Philly, man, with Embiid and New Orleans Noel at the time ahead of him. They didn't develop him properly, so we'll see if if Brooklyn can get him some easy bunnies and you know he'll just go from there. Um, I'd like to see him turn his career around because never, never is great when when that happens to players.
1: Exactly. The biggest thing, Matt, for me, you know, as the classic Raptors fan that I am, always finding that connection because you know it's all connected. Um, is what happens to Marcus Hall at this point? Like, is he just going to retire and go to Spain and play somewhere else? Because the Lakers sure. have not. That's the thing. The Lakers have not seemed to commit to providing him minutes. And at the end of the day, like, he, he is still a valuable player. Whether that could be to a championship NBA roster is another question. And I know he still wants to play basketball, even if it is only for a couple more years. So I'm keeping my ear out for what happens with Marcus Hall
0: yeah I think Marcussol' is definitely not the the championship level roster piece that he was and I, I think he'll be a serviceable piece on other teams that aren't competing but if he if he wants to go you know dominate, go back to Spain because he'll have a field day back there
1: plus like everybody loves that man over there. He's an absolute legend after winning with the Raptors and then winning with Spain the following summer. So hey, I have high hopes for Marc Gasol. but Matt. That's pretty much it. There's no real news otherwise in the NBA. Everyone's just kind of sleeping, waiting for the season. Everybody's getting their secret workouts in. Everybody's trying to get those stealthy workout off-season videos that make everybody get amped because Ben Simmons can shoot threes. Let's not forget, guys, none of them matter. But, hey, let's move into our division chat, Matt, because I've been really enjoying it the past few weeks. We're flipping back to the east, and we're going south this time, all right? So we're talking about that southeast division. The Heat, the Hawks, the Hornets, the Wizards, the Magic. A collection of teams that kind of have some weird ceilings and some weird floors. There's some rookies. There's some vets. There's teams that want to make it and some teams that probably just want to get back in the draft. I think it's an interesting collection and an interesting group to talk about this week.
0: Yeah, definitely. You had two teams that finished in the top six in the Eastern Conference. Um, then an eighth, a tenth, and a fourteenth seed. Uh I don't know if Washington will be able to repeat to make the playoffs losing um, Westbrook yes he's not a great shooter but he's still Russell Westbrook he still averages a triple double and nobody talks about him uh, Bradley Beal for for all the damage he does scoring the ball he's only worth about six wins um, so that's not amazing when you talk about a guy like Montrez Harrell coming onto the team from the Lakers who couldn't even get used in the playoffs having a seven point three win share so you know I don't I don't know how conducive Bradley Beal is to winning he's definitely conducive to scoring but. This team is, is interesting, man. Like we talked about they, they added some pieces through that Westbrook trade. Um, Dinwiddie joining, can he replace Westbrook? Do you think he'll he'll provide enough to, to replace what Westbrook brought to that brought to that squad? I mean the question is, can he do it, obviously?
1: And coming off of an injury without really having to play much last year, that is the question that is up in the air. Now, can he be a number one option for a team as the point guard is what I'm referring to, not specifically just the number one because obviously we got Bradley Beal but if he can control the offense with Beal and they can be a backcourt pairing that can help the young guys on this roster with, you know, Danny Evdiha, Hachimura, Thomas Bryant Bertan, I mean I guess Bertan isn't that young but Kyle sure. Kuzma like, they've got to figure out exactly what their rotations are going to be and unfortunately for Bradley Beal, I'm with you man this is probably the worst team in this division as unfortunate as it is
0: yeah i i definitely think it's the worst team um i the magic aren't far behind but we'll see how that roster shapes out i i just think kyle kuzma denny aviha ruchimora they don't move the needle enough uh they're all serviceable nba players we'll see how they can continue to develop but KCP doesn't add that much behind in the shooting guard spot. He had some defense, but I think it's it's just not gonna be a playoff team. They're on the that's, outside looking in.
1: That's obviously it. like I love what Rui what Rui did in the Olympics, and obviously their draft picks. I'm a big fan of. To to be completely honest, I am a big fan. Corey Chris Kispert. I don't know a lot about, but. You know, at the end of the at the end of the lottery, he's got to come in and be useful on this young team. And I'm a big Isaiah Todd fan. I think he can come in and actually be an end of the bench rotation, or just go dominate in the G League to be useful a year or two or three from now. But the Wizards are still in this weird place because they want to do a rebuild. They want to reset. When you look at all these young pieces. But they've got Bradley Beal, who wants to hang around, who wants to be the Wizard, who doesn't just want to be a number of these stars that are just flip-flopping to try to go get a ring in a trade. So it's a weird situation. And unfortunately for Wizards fans and all of us alike, we don't really know where they're going to sit. But the idea of them making the playoffs, it's kind of hard to think. The idea of them making the play-in, I mean, they've got Bradley Beal, so how can you not think that they can at least make it there? At the same time, I just don't know, man. I just don't know about this team.
0: Uh, yeah, and if he gets hurt, they have almost nothing. Uh, Dinwiddie does have a season of averaging over 20 points a game, so he could potentially give Bradley Beal some relief in the scoring department. I just I don't know if it's enough, man. Uh, we'll see, though, because they, they do have an intriguing roster. I think it might be better than the Magics um, because... When you're putting Markel Fultz as a, as a starting point guard, I think it's going to be Jalen Suggs all year. But what about you, man? I mean, what's this Orlando roster got the potential to do out here?
1: It's, it's hard. The potential I see is greater for this team because of the potential return of Jonathan Isaac, because of what you can get out of Jalen Suggs being a top five pick. Wow, top five pick. Who would have thought we'd be saying that about Suggs, you know, a couple of weeks ago, right? But, obviously, I, I like a lot of other pieces throughout this team. I want T. Ross to come out as the old, quote-unquote, what is he, like 31, 32 now? I want him to come out and just, like, shoot buckets and be the the monster that he was, because I've always been a T. Ross fan. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr., the pickup from the Bulls, I think he has a good opportunity to come in, since they have no faith in Mobamba and... I mean, Robin Lopez is, is Robin Lopez. Like, he can put in good minutes, but he's not going to be a starting center in this league anymore. And Mo Wagner, can he prove himself? That's the question. So there's a lot of stuff up in the air for the Magic, so they have to kind of prove whether or not they're going to stick around as a fringe play-in contender.
0: Yeah, I think they're have a they in a tough spot at this point. Um, the floor is definitely very, very low on this team. Uh, if things don't come together, if Suggs isn't the player that they anticipated drafting in fifth overall, it could go south really quick. But I I do think he's going to be a good player. I think he he's probably more NBA ready than than a guy like Scotty Barnes. But Scotty Barnes has that that bigger upside, and that's what attracted the Raptors to him. You know, over Jalen Suggs. But when like the the best player on your team. In terms of per stats, are Mo Bamba, like that's left, and Wendell Carter Jr. Like, I think you're in, you're in a tough spot as a roster. Um, Boltz is is a negative win share kind of player, even though he did have a better season last year. Uh, it's crazy to think that shooting was his calling card coming out of you know Washington State where. He wasn't necessarily like yes, he had the athleticism and size for the for the position and that's what everybody loved, but it was specifically his shooting that made him the number one overall pick over a guy like Jason Tatum and Lonzo Ball. Mm -hmm. He shot less than forty percent last year and twenty five percent from three. He did almost hit ninety percent of his free throws though. So is that a sign that he'll turn it around?
1: that's the hope that's the hope for faults at this point right because he has been faults like he has not been showing up unfortunately in the first couple of years of his career and i mean if he can get his situation figured out if he can deal with the issues that he's been having like he was a proven first overall pick before the nba so there is still potential for him to come out but that's why they took subs that's why they believe in his ball handling capabilities and you know i have to look at their eighth overall pick in franz wagner We don't know what he's going to be. He's kind of a question mark of the draft. We're not sure if he has the potential to play and be NBA ready, but he's going to definitely get some minutes on this roster. And the Magic are finally in a better situation than they were. I have to keep saying that, Matt, because they were in mediocrity for years on years on years. That's all I saw from Magic fans was they weren't sure if they were ever actually going to break through with the names that they had. And they were too talented to fall back far enough to get a game-changing talent. And this year, they get to be sitting in a rebuild. They get to be like, regardless of what happens, hopefully we can you know keep moving our drafts. They've got picks. If the Bulls fall flat again, they're going to make more money off the Vucevic trade. So, at the end of the day, I think the Magic are going to do okay, regardless of where their season turns out.
0: Uh, yeah, I think they've got a good, solid rotation of guards. When you look at Cole Anthony, Gary Harris, Jalen Suggs, and Markel Foltz, none of them are going to be elite and game changers, but I think it's a solid core of NBA guards, and, and two of them are super young in Suggs and Anthony, um, and if they can develop, you're looking at, at a great backcourt for years to come. Um, I, T. Ross is probably maxed out his ceiling. I wish uh, that wasn't true, but hey... He had a pretty good season last season, uh, almost averaging 16 points a game. He shoots like 34% from deep. That's not bad, man. Uh, I just the roster to me is low tier, and they might find themselves back in the lottery looking for Chet Holmgren, who's I, he doesn't he fit, fit in this roster though.
1: He would fit in fine. Check and shoot threes.
0: Yeah, but I mean, they've got so many bigs between Isaac, Carter, Lopez, Bamba, a Wagner. Like they just have so many bigs.
1: You get a couple. You flip a couple of those for some wings. You you roll Chet into here, and you've got a great playoff roster. But man, we're getting too far ahead of ourselves. Okay, we're starting talking about next year's draft picks. We aren't even into next year's season right now, but. That's pretty much all my thoughts are for the Magic. I'm glad you brought up Cole Anthony because I'm still big on him. I still hope for his future as a player. I like him as a guard, but it's the Magic, man. They're not relevant, unfortunately.
0: He was better than Fultz last year. He averaged more rebounds, uh, a fewer less assists, like just one less assist, but he had better percentages across the board. So I I think he has a higher ceiling than Fultz at this point, which is pretty wild to say considering he was a late (sighs) first-rounder.
1: Oh, yeah, but also I think that that injury uh, hampered Cole and the team as well was part of the injury because I know that Fultz went down really early, but then Cole went down, I think, Later. right after Christmas. Yeah. Right after Christmas and the New Year, he went down and he missed like a month or so, and I think that was a massive deal for them.
0: Absolutely, man. You can't lose your players if you want to compete, right? That's what happened to Charlotte last year. As soon as LaMelo Ball went down, they fell right out of the playoff spot. So. Oh
1: yes, but let's talk about Charlotte because they've got seemingly a bright future ahead of them with Lamella proving himself last year. Mikhail Bridges, but it's, i mean—that's the thing they've got. They've got Bridges. Can Hayward come back after another injury that limited his capabilities? Can their center rotation work out? Like the Hornets almost have as many questions as the Magic, Matt.
0: See, you would say that, but I don't believe so because. LaMelo Ball proved that he was a great rookie. Uh, if he can continue the trajectory that he's on, I'm not going to say that it's easy. There, He's going to be you know, a top five point guard in this league very quickly. Um, yeah. Him, I like Terry Rozier. I think he consistently proves that he's worth the money that they're paying him. He averaged 20 points last year on 45% shooting, almost 39% from, from deep. Like, that's a player that I will have on my team happily any day of the week. Um, I like what they did getting Kelly Oubre Jr. on this roster. He kind of insulates Gordon Hayward back there, so Gordon Hayward isn't necessarily the player that he once was. You've got Oubre out there. You do lose a little bit in terms of shooting potential, though. Um, this, the floor gets a little bit tighter because Oubre is more of a slasher than a than a perimeter player like Hayward is. Um, mm-hmm. But I loved Mikhail Bridges' season last year. I thought he was quietly underrated. Some of the dunks he threw down men were vicious, and him and Lamelo really had a great chemistry. Uh, yeah. So if they can keep developing together with with the roster around them, I think you know pushing for the playoffs is not unfeasible for this team. Uh, they added James Booknight, who you know, some people had him in the upper uh, ends of the of the lottery. He ended up falling a little bit, but. Yeah, I don't see why not.
1: You've you've answered the questions. You've answered last year's questions, Matt, right? Of all the players that showed up who have proven whether or not they can be serviceable and whether they can show up. And you've ended now bringing up a player like Knight. And he's the first of their, I'm sorry, four new players that they are bringing in from out of the draft. A guy like Kai Jones, I was a big fan of. I think that if he can find his rotation, he could be a nice centerpiece where they don't exactly know exactly what their rotations are, right? Like, Plumlee's a great player. Vernon Carey Jr. hasn't proven himself yet. And I don't even know who Nick Richards is. I think it's Nick Richards at Mm -hmm. this point, right? So, like, they have some space at that true center position, so Kai Jones can come and do that. JT Thor, I mean, I don't know anything about this guy, but the guy's name is Thor, he's got to be he's got to be able to put in work right and then their final pick Scotty Lewis at 56 like i think that he is a type of player that is going to be a late draft pick who can come in and is going to be a good 3 and d type of guard maybe he can guard wings as he gets older and a little bit bigger but you know i like what the hornets did here but, and it the question's for me come with their young players if they can come in and if lamelo can be that leader because obviously they got Hayward to come in and lead this team as that veteran presence. But this is LaMelo's team. This is LaMelo and Terry's team. I guess Terry Rozier is, is one of the players that has one of the longest tenures on this team now still, right? So, like, Wild. it's going to be really interesting to see if, you know, these boys can come out and play some basketball that can make MJ real happy for this organization.
0: I think they have the potential to do it. The biggest concern for me is if the league can adjust to LaMelo Ball. They have a full year of film on him now. Um, The kid's got confidence coming out, out of everywhere. His shot is a little wonky, but if he can kind of correct it and maybe get it off a little bit faster, he obviously has the confidence to take it whenever, wherever. So that's really nice to see. I think that's the biggest difference between him and his brother is his brother has zero attack, zero confidence, whereas LaMelo actually shows that swagger. So I think they're a very interesting roster. They could definitely push into the playoffs. But again, if they get figured out, if people kind of adjust to the ball Bridges pairing and they can they can stop that and slow that down, this team could fall out of the playoffs pretty quick and they might have to have to end up in the lottery looking for a running mate for Ball.
1: The worry is also will they miss Devonte Graham, right? With letting him walk. He was a big piece of what they were doing last year and while they have these new picks that can come in and fill these minutes, can Lamello really take over as the the true guard, the true decision maker, because there were some really nice highlights from Devontae last year and I think he's gonna fit in good, not great, with the Pelicans, with where he's gone because he was I don't think he was the Pelicans first thought. But it's gonna be really interesting for the Hornets. I like this team, I don't love this team, and I'm excited to watch them and see what they can do.
0: Yeah, There is a team that I love in this division, though, and that is the Atlanta Hawks, man. I love me some Trey Young. I love Kevin Huerta. I think Clint Capella is an underrated center in this league. The guy almost averaged 15-15 for a full season. No, he does not take threes. No, he does not stretch the floor. But having a 24.3 per, which includes defense and offense, I mean, that is getting up there with some... Pretty heady all stars. He had a better per than than Trey Young. He had a better per than than uh, Bam Adebayo than a, like a lot of these guys that you know we like. We like their upside and we like who they are as players. So and that's not even to mentioning Danilo Gallinari, who he had if he could have shot better from the field, he had a 43 shooting percentage in, at the field, but he shot 40 percent from deep and 92 percent from the line. The guy's a walking bucket. Just a walking bucket.
1: Regardless of having the worst hairstyle of last year's playoffs. Yes. Yeah, whatever. Walking bucket. But, man, a lot of people are really high on the Hawks. Like, shout out to my boy Renzo, who is a massive Trey Young fan. And it just goes to show what one really good season of playoff success can do for you. Because the Hawks used to be relevant, right? 2014, 2013, 2015, back in the day, you know. With those were really, Yeah, the Hawks were a really good team. But they... Disappeared, ran through the lottery, and now they're back up and they're showing that, hey, we're here to stay. I've talked about it before. The organization did great by going out, signing players, adding to the roster before giving Trey Young his bag, showing that they are willing to make the competitive decisions to show up. And, you know, they had success last season because of it. I'm really excited for this Hawks team. I think that their ceiling is potentially a top three team in the East, not. Not in the NBA, in the East. Let's not get too ahead of ourselves, right? If everything clicks, if they can figure it out, Matt was talking about Clint Capella and what this guy can do, and they gave him another two-year extension because they obviously believe in his capabilities as the center for this team. Like The guy has two Cs as the starting letters for his name. He's made to be a center, Matt. It's going to be really interesting. I like this Hawks team. I want to see them continue to succeed because I think Trey Young and what he did in, 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 in the Knicks home court in new york city i think that was some of the best of last year's playoffs and we need those type of exciting storylines when you think about where the nba is headed when you think about studs like lebron and kd and steph curry slowly aging their way out we're looking for guys like trey young to come in and take over as big name showmakers so i'm excited
0: for the hawks matt i'll say it all season long yeah and like i don't even think we talked about john collins or um, Daniil Hunter or, yeah. or even a guy like Cam Reddish, man. Cam Reddish is part of that big three at Duke. They were all the, the top three players. Do you think it hurt their development to all go to Duke together? Because I think Cam Reddish might have been better served going to another team like a, like a Kentucky or a like Kansas or UNC and actually developing as the lead guard. Or lead player, whereas Zion kind of took a lot of that. And then RJ was really the second player. So Cam kind of fell off and fell in that draft. They got him and they stashed him on the roster. He did get hurt last year. Do you think he could have a big season this year? Mm-hmm.
1: Matt just like pulling me in here with some of my, my favorite thoughts and controversial thoughts. I completely believe in him. I think that there was a reason people thought that he was potentially the best shooter in that roster, potentially one of the better players out of that. And I mean, me and Matt had a discussion earlier about college coaches and a, and a certain type of coaching style in the NBA. And for me, it's definitely possible that if he could have gone out and developed in a more player-centric you know trying to get them ready for the nba rather than just hey this is how we play basketball we need to win championships this is how you need to play because you're this cog in my system how can i not believe that he could potentially have had a a better setup to be at this point in his stage in the career
0: yeah i mean they still could have even gotten him with that fourth overall pick that they used on daniel hunter but hey they got (laughs) daniel hunter and him hunter last year had a great season um he's only going to continue to get better um Cave on. He's going to get better. So I'm excited for this Atlanta roster. I think everything would have to go right for them to get a top three seed. But top four or five, that's, that's definitely in the cards.
1: They're a playoff team Easy. without blinking an eye. Unless injuries come in and decimate them, right? Because yeah. we can't forget that John Collins has gone through injuries. Clint Capella is a big guy. Trey Young had a couple of, I think, hand, hand issues the past couple of years. Like, they're young. Like, they've got to prove themselves. The biggest win for me in this roster and why I believe that they can be so high is Nate McMillan. I think Nate McMillan came in and absolutely proved himself, and if he could come in and take this team even further to more heights, Coach of the Year candidate incoming, like, come on, they already proved themselves going all the way all the way to the final four in the playoffs, right? Like, Trey Young is a stud. People are high on this team. The sad part is, if everything goes wrong, they might miss the playoffs. If everything goes wrong. That's what's scary about the Hawks. They have such a wide
0: range you can because say that of about, so many factors. You can say that about any team, right? I mean, that's what really happened to us, the Raptors, last year. We got decimated yeah. by injuries. We couldn't figure out our center squad. We played 72 road games. And... What we thought would be a middle-of-the-pack Eastern Conference team ended up being in the bottom. Um, so we'll see what happens with this roster. But I think it's going to be a no-brainer 4-5 or five seed. Um, I still like Philadelphia, the Nets, and the Bucks over top of them in the East. Um, but we, we're going to have to see what happens with Ben Simmons, man. I mean, the guy's not showing up to camp. But that's, that's a different story for a different day. Uh you wanna talk about the Heat, man, because they're probably the biggest threat in terms of winning a championship in this division. They've got the roster, they've got the they've got veteran players. Bam, Butler, Kyle Lowry, our boy, the Groat. They're good, man. I just I don't know if they are a championship threat, personally.
1: I worry for this Heat team because I want for Kyle but unfortunately, Kyle's destinations were teams that I don't love to root for. So now I have to be, like, conflicted all season long when I'm watching Heat games and I, like, have blinders on watching Kyle and be like, oh, yeah, nice three-pointer. Oh, great, great block. Oh, good job doing that play. And then, you know, I just, like, don't pay attention when Jimmy Butler and Robinson and the rest of them are making plays because I don't I don't love this team. And I think you hit it on, on the nose there, Matt, because they are a team that have potential to be great, potential to – make it so that their bubble playoff run doesn't look like a fluke because they've retained a lot of players right on this roster a lot of the main pieces from that season of success and unfortunately they had to run into the eventual NBA championships on an absolute revenge tour from the season before and Giannis was like no 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 I'm gonna sweep you you don't get to beat me this time bam so it's a lot it's a lot obviously Udonis Haslam is still there and we want to root for this man's and the heat for generations and generations and generations to come but when you have a lead like Jimmy Butler who is your guy like thankfully Kyle Lowry is there because if it's just Jimmy we already saw what happens last year guy did not have a great first round
0: yeah he did he did not and a guy like Jimmy as your lead or, and then Bam is your number two. They needed that shooting around them. They need Hero to step up. They need Robinson to hit the threes. Because both of those guys shoot a, a 25% clip from deep. So And Bam is the better one. So <laughs> that just kind of gives you the, the indictment on Jimmy Butler there. It's amazing that he's been able to be so valuable and have the career that he's had. With such a deficiency, Kyle Lowry yeah. almost dropped forty percent from from deep last season, which is it was the second highest percentage of his career. Um, he's definitely a better catch and shoot shooter. With with Duncan Robinson, with Hero, with PJ Tucker, now with Morris, I think they they definitely have enough shooting on the floor around Butler and Adebayo It's just they are a coin flip. They are, yeah. you know, a couple injuries, a Kyle Lowry injury, a, a Butler injury away from, like you said, falling out of the playoffs completely. And even though Tyler Hero definitely put on some muscle this year, I mean, he released an Instagram photo where he was looking a lot thicker <laughs> than he used to. He got cooked at his own basketball camp by, like, a middle school kid. If you haven't seen the video, I I tell you, please go watch it because this kid had him jumping so many times. Like oh. dude, fix your defense. This is all uh an eighth grader just cooking you at your own camp. How embarrassing is that? Oh man, I died.
1: I died when Matt had me watching this earlier to start the day. But to touch on Kyle Lowry real quick, I gotta say, I feel like him getting a ring really extended his career by like two, three years. Just the confidence that you get, it shows why he was so good from three last season and you know who we haven't talked about? We, we discussed that this team is a coin flip, and we discussed that we don't know what's going to happen. Think about Victor Oladipo, who is coming back on some cheap money, who has some weird confidence issues to deal with ever since that injury, which I don't think I will ever be able to get out of my brain watching that him go down and watching his leg just meh nah, the way that it did. Like He's going to have an opportunity to come in and, and be a real piece you know a real member of a championship roster if all of it comes together that's the beauty of the heat right fans in miami are sitting down thinking to themselves if everything comes together we have everything you need to win a championship in the eastern conference and wouldn't it be crazy matt to watch the story of like heat decimating bucks bucks decimating heat kyle lowry decimating the bucks like it'd be pretty interesting if that could actually happen
0: yeah, it would it would definitely make for a good story. And Victor Oladipo, if he can stay healthy, does provide an elite backup option at that point guard position. So they definitely have a good a good ceiling. And again, they could be a championship caliber roster. I just think Bucks, Nets, Philly even. I Philly's gonna get a return for Ben Simmons. Joel Embiid is a absolute force, and they have. Three three shooting, like depth. So I think they're fine. I think Philly's gonna figure it out. <sighs> it's a weird weird division, man. Uh, I think the, the the top for this division is probably like a third seed for one of the Hawks or the Heat. But hey, if they were all middling right from like five, six, seven, I would not the Hawks, Hornets, in the Heat, the, the H teams in this division, <laughs> they all could be in there, man. Not, not the wiz, not the magic. Sorry, boys. See you that's next year. that's
1: the beauty of what we're seeing here, Matt. Is the beauty of the Eastern Conference being probably the deepest that it's been in the in one of the longest times. At least in the in the time that I've been truly paying attention to the basketball in the past five to ten years. Like, there's so many teams that if it clicks can show up and be one of these end teams in the playoffs for the East. And that's why it's super exciting. And that's why it's hard when we look at this Raptors team that we don't really get to talk about much because nothing really came up for the Raptors this week. That's why it's hard for us to be like, we want to see their ceiling be a sixth seed in the East, but we know that if it doesn't click just yet because of how young we are, we might be the 10th, 11th, 12th seed, which sucks to hear. But sometimes you just have to accept that when you're in a quote unquote rebuilding phase.
0: Yeah, I mean, Masai came out. He said he wasn't, we're not a team of the now. We're a team of the future. We're definitely going to go through some growing pains. But like I've been kind of preaching for Montreal to deal with their players, you have to go through those pains to get to where you want to go. You can't just have it be nice and smooth. Nothing ever happens in life that way. It just doesn't.
1: I mean, Philadelphia proved, well, has kind of proved with the process that they knew what they
0: were doing, right? Uh, if they had dropped the right <laughs> players, man. Jason
1: Tatum on Philadelphia. They have a championship. I said it to Matt earlier. I'm just joking. I'm not upset because, you know, then Philly would have a championship and Boston might be worse. On the Alternate. other side, we have both of them being kind of worse, so I'm happy, I guess. Yeah.
0: Alternate reality, man. I mean, if they stick at that three spot and they take Tatum, um, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, they have a championship because uh, and who knows? Maybe Markel Fultz in Boston actually explodes because he's a lead guard as opposed to playing behind Simmons. Maybe they take care of his shoulder a little bit better. yeah, it's it's a crazy world to think about, man. But we live in this one. and unfortunately, sometimes you don't get what you want. <laughs> nope,
1: nope, not at all. and i'm gonna I'm gonna roll so to take some predictions now, Matt. and I'm gonna make Hawks fans really sad because unfortunately, Even though they had a ton of success last season and they I'm high on them and I was big on them last year. I'm following my heart with Kyle Lowry this year. And I think the Heat are just gonna edge out the Hawks. A couple of games, three, four or so, and they're gonna take the division. They're gonna be the big dogs at that fourth seed
0: in the East, maybe? We'll see, Matt. We will see. Yeah, we'll definitely see, man. I'm gonna go to baseball. I'm gonna I'm kind of nervous about this take Because I don't want to <laughs> reverse the recur- the curse That I put on them Because uh, I'd like to see them make the playoffs I'll, I'll, I'll eat my words um, But I think they're going to win tonight uh, But then the streak ends right after So eight game win streak And then they're going to lose We'll see how it plays out man
1: Man, of all the, the the teams that I follow, it's the classic. You beat the, the the teams you're not supposed to beat, and then you lose against the teams you're supposed to win. And they're going to follow up a win against the Yankees with a loss against the Orioles. Yeah, that sounds about right. Top team win, low team loss, classic for a fan base, you know?
0: Absolutely, my friend. I think you're good to wrap us up, though.
1: Perfect. Well, thanks, everybody, for being here. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at the BoardSports. Like and subscribe if you're listening from YouTube and check out theboardsports.net for new episodes and blog posts. And we'll talk to you next
0: time.